0: i'm jesse and i'm michelle and today we are going to be talking about things we never want to hear from non-musicians ever again but before
1: we jump into that we have a couple announcements awesome so guys this is the last week of our weekly watch party so on wednesday we'll be voting on what we want to watch We always have lots of fun. We don't know what this theme's going to be. You know, we're keeping it mysterious, but you'll find out on Wednesday. And then we always have these watch parties that are free to join through cast on Fridays at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. And all you have to do is click the link in our bio to join. And there's a chat. We make lots of jokes while we watch these operas and it's a really good time so moving forward when we enter July it's going to be the second Friday of every month so yeah jump on it this Friday and then we'll do it in a couple weeks. During the week Michelle and I tend
0: to send a lot of things back and forth in equal parts to amuse each other and to uh, absolutely offend one another. But because we are like this, and because we have strong feelings on what is right or wrong, like on subjects like toilet paper, for example, and how it should be hung, we thought we'd do a couple more of those questions. Oh, don't get me started. I mean, we'll never under- truly understand the banana one from the couple episodes ago. So, uh, I'm,
1: I'm still distraught to this day. That there's maybe so a right know. way to
0: open a banana, and it's not the way you do it.
1: Well, I ate a banana yesterday and I really thought about it and it kind of ruined the banana for me because I was like <laughs> upset <laughs> thinking about it.
0: Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> if you think a hot dog is a sandwich, you are deranged. I would actually say that of the things people have
0: suggested might be sandwiches to me, a hot dog is one of the more agreeable.
1: What are other people saying are sandwiches?
0: Oh, I could not go down. I've had this. I've had this exact conversation with every man who loves to frustrate people, which is most of my guy friends. This is one of those questions people bring up at parties because they want people to fight.
1: Oh, my gosh!
0: I have bad friends. Um, (laughs) that's what I'm realizing. No, is a hot dog a sandwich is definitely, like, an internet question that's just meant to upset people. But I would say hot dog is one of the less egregious things that I could consider a sandwich.
1: You know, I, I really like that meme that's going around that's saying, like, the world is ready. And it's, like, a picture of, like, a single hot dog bun, but with two hot dogs in it. You know, have you seen that meme? No! That's like the diagram of no. the double hot dog in the bun and they're like yeah. more surface area for condiments, like better meat to bun ratio, like the world is ready. Have you seen that meme?
0: You know, there are times where I see improvements on things that I'm like, yeah, that's obvious. I don't know why we did that. I don't think that's one of them.
1: Oh, I thought it was such a good idea.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen it, though. You have to actually send me that for me to understand what you're saying. Should I
1: just okay. look up two
0: hot dogs in bun?
1: Well, I feel like you might get some sketchy.
0: Oh no, <laughs> God, <laughs> Michelle!
1: <laughs> I don't want you to get anything. Uh, no, I found inappropriate. it. I found
0: it. It did uh, not pull up inappropriate things. Bless. I think I have my filter on. Oh, geez, man, <laughs> you just scared me because I had already typed.
1: <laughs> to me, it makes sense. No,
0: that does that does make sense. I guess I just don't. I don't want that much hot dog though.
1: I do. I want the dog. <laughs>
0: I can't make the jokes I wouldn't make. <laughs> They're all inappropriate. <laughs> because, well, here's the thing. There's too many jokes that I don't feel, I've, I don't want to reveal certain sides of myself to this podcast yet.
1: <laughs> okay, listen, though. Like, I love a good grilled hot dog. They're just so good. And so the idea of having more hot dog and less bun to me, is what I've been missing my whole life. You know what I mean? So to me when I saw that, I was like, "Wow, they drew what I didn't know that I wanted, but now it, it's here, and I can't believe I never thought of this myself. And, I really uh, love bread, yeah.
0: though, so I'm not really bothered by it. I guess it just depends on your bread to meat ratio that you feel, you know? I just <laughs> want to say, I do think it is a sandwich, though.
1: Um I think that you're wrong.
0: But, I mean, like, if a meatball sub is a sandwich, why isn't a hot dog a sandwich? Because a meatball sub is built very, very similarly to a hot dog. No. (laughs) (laughs) Your answer is no. Because a meatball sub also usually has the bottom of the sandwich closed, because otherwise
1: (laughs) the round meats would go away. I know, but subs are kind of, like, their own thing. Like, yes, obviously subs are sandwiches, but they're also, like, a subset of their (laughs) own thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Do you consider a grilled cheese, like, a sandwich? Yes. Do I consider a grilled (laughs) cheese a sandwich?
0: Yes, Michelle, I do. What do you think it is? (laughs) A grilled cheese. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Because it doesn't have, like, any
1: meat or lettuce or nothing. I think you
0: lost this argument right here, right now, when you suggested (laughs) that a grilled cheese is
1: not a sandwich. Well, no. I like I understand that grilled cheese like falls into the category of sandwiches as a whole but it's like it's I don't own think I can thing the rest of this episode <laughs> Listen all I'm oh saying is God. it's its no, own a grilled breed cheese,
0: a grilled cheese like a is hot just dog a, is
1: its own breed A grilled cheese is just a famous sandwich I refuse Well just I don't like a I don't PB&J. I won't fight about the grilled cheese because that can be
0: do you think peanut butter yeah. and jelly
1: are not is not a sandwich? Yeah, it's a sandwich, but it falls into the grilled Boys, cheese category. Why is grilled cheese not a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that it's not a grilled cheese. You're misunderstanding me. I'm saying that it's its own subset, like versus it's... a sub. And then, like outside of the world of sandwich, exists a hot dog.
0: Man, this conversation went so much further in a weird direction, but I'm just so glad that I will forever have a recording of you saying that like, you don't think
1: a grilled cheese really qualifies. I'm just saying it's its own type of being. Yeah, but why can't a hot dog be a subset of sandwich, then? Because it's just wrong. It just does not, it doesn't sit well with me. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. Hot dogs are its own thing. Because when you go to a barbecue, you have the obvious sandwich, which is the burger. And what then if you I have put it-
0: a hot dog. <sighs> What if I put it to you this way? Oh, no. A hot dog is a sandwich in the same way that a tomato is a fruit. Technically, yes, but colloquially, no.
1: Yeah, I could grasp that a little bit better.
0: We can agree. I think that's a good categorization. Like, you wouldn't say, I want a sandwich and get a hot dog, but a hot dog could fit in the description in the same way that a tomato fits the description of a fruit, but you don't really use it like a
1: fruit. Yeah. Yeah cool i guess this is also like my qualm with open face sandwiches which basically to me are just toast with things on yeah well so i didn't realize that the is topic of sandwiches <laughs> was so i'm broad. so glad that's the question
0: we got to that's not even the question i thought was gonna get us hung up on it i'm so glad we did though because everything about this conversation was amazing uh, okay we should get into the actual conversation of this perfect episode oh beautiful beautiful wow well honestly
1: (laughs) what a great topic for this write-in because things i never want to hear from a non-musician ever again is basically the universal topic amongst musicians (laughs) you know
0: is it's the question is hot dog a sandwich of of music um (laughs) Just things you never want to hear because they're the worst. Yeah. What's one of your personal stories of things like something a non musician
1: has said to you that's just been like, but why would you say that to me? I guess because I come from a more like pop theater background and then went into classical music and I like, I sing, I actively sing a lot of worship music. I get a lot of the, when are you coming out with an album? (laughs)
0: But yeah, like this idea that you would put out and no, no, I don't know, Michelle, you might want to write your own music. But generally speaking, that's not something I think of for
1: you. No, I actually like I actively dislike. There you go. Composing. Um, it's just it's yeah. not my thing. And I don't think it has to be, which is why when people constantly ask me when I'm going to write my own music, it just like irks me. Yeah. Um, Because that's not something I want to do. Um. I would actually be super interested to record a Christmas album this year because I love Christmas music. Yeah, so that might happen. I like that but idea. What about you, Jesse? what's What's something that you get <laughs> here all the time?
0: I, I'm I'm actually gonna retell the story I told last week because I think it's still relevant, and <laughs> there are a couple stories that we've gotten that kind of mirror that experience. So I was at this big dinner for. There's kind of an exchange program at a university near where I live. And so every year my mom helps out a student and helps them, you know, get their food, get used to the city and everything. It's basically just help them acclimate to the new city when they come to study at said local university who I will not name. So it's this big get together dinner and everything. And I I go with her and I was just chatting with people. Oh, my gosh. I have another. St- I have two stories from this I actually had to tell. <laughs> brain blast Amazing. yeah wow wow i just like i just got a second story that i think but the the original story was i met a philosophy professor from said university and i was talking about what i do and everything and i was like yeah i'm a classical musician i'm i'm studying i'm getting my bachelor's right now and this this grown man this professor just turned to me and goes i hate classical music <gasps> and i just kind of pause and i'm like uh okay And I just, you know, as I usually do when people tell me that, I'm like, what classical music have you listened to? He goes, oh, well, a long time ago, uh, one of my friends gave me a CD of Wagner Opera. And I was like, whew! And I actually, I enjoy Wagner Opera, but a CD is not the way to experience opera for the first time. It's also not the way to experience Wagner at all, ever.
1: No, that should not be your first dip into opera.
0: (laughs) It, you know even though i do enjoy wagner opera like you really kind of have to see it and even then there are periods where you're like wow this song really could have wrapped up 10 minutes ago couldn't <laughs> couldn't do uh, but you know yeah. i sat there in awe and i was like you know i i can make you a playlist of like the introduction music because that's not where you start that's never where you start yeah no i i cursed the friend who gave that cd to that man I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the second story and then I'll circle back to this, but I just remembered that there was a woman I was talking to who I once again told her, I was like, oh yeah, I sing opera. That's my thing. That's what I do. And she goes, oh, do you sing the carbonara? And I, uh-huh. <laughs> I sat there and I was like, the what? And she <laughs> goes, do you sing the carbonara? And I was like, I know. I was like, I, can you like hum a little bit of it? And she goes, oh, you know, uh, it's the, the Spanish song, the, and I was like, "Carmen, the habanera." <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Deceased. Deceased. <trollsát Bull Souls> I have never recovered. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Do you sing the carbonara? Do you sing the carbonara, Michelle? Oh my god. I mean, the answer is still no, but I just. That's my favorite mix-up I've ever probably had. And she she was so nice. I cannot... I, I don't. Luckily, I don't think she listens to the podcast, but she's still actually a family friend. Um, and once again, no harm, no foul. She was so much trying to show interest in what I do. But that is one of my favorite mishaps that's ever happened with somebody trying to know. And yeah. Do you sing the carbonara? That's aura?
1: wonderful. Oh, I, I want, love that. Man, I want
0: that on a shirt. <laughs> do you sing the carbonara? But- <laughs>
1: that's like weirdly wholesome
0: (laughs) yeah that one was so sweet but circling back to the person who just turned to my face and said i hate what you do
1: (laughs) oh yeah
0: and i said once again i said this last week but there are very few jobs in which people openly tell you they don't like what you do most people are usually pretty polite about things but when it comes to things like movies and television and comedy people will very much just turn to you and say like i hate that and i'm probably guilty of that too like There are certain types of things, maybe because it's easier for us to just emphatically know what we do and don't like about things we actively consume, like music and movies, as opposed to, you know, nobody's going to tell a pediatrician, I hate children. (laughs) There are things that are less acceptable to say. Yeah. But expressing what you like and don't like about media is much more acceptable, which leads me into our first story from a friend of Michelle and I's, (laughs) and really into our first category of phrases that people say, which is, I hate opera, or I don't know what opera is. (laughs) Love it. It's very telling, and this is a big category of things that you get from people, Um, but the first story that we got, which is a a doozy, says, one time when I was 14, I was at a birthday party, and I was asked about my singing. I told them I sing opera, and started up a bit of ma rendi por contento, and this girl jabs me in the throat (laughs) when I ask her why, she says, I don't like that kind of music. Ten years later, I was having a work meeting and I saw that she still works at the local diner. (laughs) Figures. Which, I'm not going to dunk on anybody's jobs right now, but that is kind of- That's kind of a nice thing when you circle back to this.
1: (gasps) They jabbed this person
0: in the throat? Right? I'm now thankful that all that philosophy professor did was tell me to my face he didn't like it and didn't just punch me in the throat.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, lawsuit? Thank you very much. (laughs)
0: imagine somebody singing you don't like and you just punch you literally
1: just deck them in the throat
0: throat punch what's the throat because like even if somebody had been like they slapped their hand over my mouth that is less threatening than a punch to the throat
1: yeah that is like girl has some anger issues if you're just out here punching people in the throat for singing music you don't like Oh yeah. what even is that like if you don't like it or you don't want to hear it Like, I'm assuming this
0: for this person that somebody asked them to sing something, because that's the other thing that happens to us all the time, is people will ask me, like, sing me something. I worked as a bartender in an airport, and I sang so much. (laughs) But you know what? You got to make that money. But it is awkward. Like, I don't want to interrupt other people's dinners or drinks or anything, but people would ask me to sing. So I would sing for people.
1: I don't know if I'm a bad sport when it comes to this. I'm glad no one throat punched me. True. (laughs) But I hate. This is actually like one of my ultimate singing pet peeves, because I get asked this all the time to a point where like I might not even tell people that I'm a singer if I don't have to, because I almost always am followed with this question, and I hate it, because you know me, I'm awkward and nice, and so I never know what to do, (laughs) because the nice part of me is like go sing, like you, this is what you trained for for like so many years, why can't you just sing a little something? And then the awkward part of me is like. Die. (laughs) Combust on spot.
0: At the airport, I liked it because bartending in general is kind of performative. So I don't really mind when I'm bartending. It's more so in like casual social settings that it's really uncomfortable.
1: Oh, it's always uncomfortable to me.
0: (laughs) I mean, as a bartender in a city known for music, it once again doesn't really bother me. I I actually enjoyed it quite a bit as a bartender. The only time it bothered me is like I used to occasionally work. It's an airport. So the bar at the airport opens incredibly early. So sometimes it was like six in the morning and I was like, nothing good will come from my mouth at this hour. Zero. (laughs) I used to have to get up at like two or three in the morning to go to work. And so I can promise you nothing, nothing good came out of my vocal cords those days. Amazing. But yeah, yeah, I would say I was okay with it. But once again,
1: bartending, performative already.
0: Casual settings, the worst. Very uncomfortable. Uh, I'll let you take this next one.
1: Oh, I feel this one on a spiritual level. I can't even tell you how many times I've been told this, but um, classic Phantom of the Opera is my favorite opera. Oh, sweet, sweet.
0: Yeah, Michelle sang a lot of Phantom, so I'm
1: sure you got that. I honestly, like, I do enjoy musical theater, and I actually <laughs> would really like to sing Christine, because I think it would just be fun to do it with, like, a nice company where you just get to wear a lot of fun costumes and the sets are cool. Like, I... I'm not really going to hate on Phantom. I think it's a good musical. Is it an opera? It's just not an opera. Yeah, it's like very musical theater opera, but like it's an entertaining show. So I don't have qualms with it. But when people are like, that's my favorite opera. I'm like, okay, true. Although I will say that like I don't have a huge qualm with people that say Phantom is their favorite opera. Because even though that's like just false because it's not opera, at least it is more operatic than like you know the majority of musical theater so if they like phantom then yeah. those are probably the kind of people who would maybe listen to like some mozart or some like fun Donizetti and like actually vibe you know so like protect those people
0: i'm not gonna hold up phantom of the opera as like the best of musical theater i am not here to play oh, that no. game today but i no. will say this it's an interesting mishmash of people doing singing with vibrato, not belting. There is belting in there, but not all of the characters belt and not all of the songs are really beltable. Yeah. So yeah. we
1: we we're here for it. It's definitely <laughs> in the
0: category of things where I see more opera singers doing those roles like in Les Mis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on to the next one. Opera is too long. I mostly hate hearing this one because movies have gotten longer and longer and longer and longer and there's actually quite a bit of opera that is shorter than most (laughs) movies at this point yeah not to mention that of course you already have like the short operas like johnny skiki that used to be a part of the three-parter there are plenty of things to go and watch that are not that long and johnny skiki is another one that i hadn't considered but i would actually put that up there as like a good intro to opera because it's short and
1: funny oh johnny skiki is so funny That's like one of my favorite shows to watch. We just recently watched
0: it on our watch party and it was, it was so good. It's so funny. And it's so much like the soap opera-y feel.
1: Oh yeah, because everything's so over the top.
0: (laughs) On the more serious side, we just watched As One last night, which is the story of a trans woman transitioning. And it was probably like, I want to say like an hour 13, hour 15.
1: Yeah, I think it's like 75 minutes. Very, very good. Yeah.
0: A chamber opera. And it was so good. There are tons of great operas that are shorter. So I just, I don't like the whole opera is too long. Instead of saying opera is too long, ask, ask like, you know, are there good operas that maybe aren't that long? Because even Bohem is isn't that long. Bo- Bohème is like, what, two hours? Two hours fifteen?
1: I don't know. Probably.
0: Bohème's pretty, pretty short, actually. It's pretty speedy for an opera. <laughs> Mostly because they cut it out an entire act of the play. And then our our next one, which is, did you get it? And I put this under, I don't know what opera is, because in musical theater and in some other forms, and not all musical theater either, but usually you hear back pretty quickly about callbacks and things like that. In opera, sometimes you try out for yaps and you just don't hear from them ever again. I had one (laughs) grad school who never even told me they received my application. And I know I wasn't the only person who had that experience because there were multiple people who had applied to that school with me amazing
1: yeah just the worst yeah this is so frustrating because and I understand because if you're not a classical musician I don't know how you would just automatically know this but it's so true we often wait months to hear back from summer programs and like first rounds of competitions and it's just so it's obviously frustrating for us to have to try and be patient for that long but then to have people asking you all the time but did you get it Wait, you don't know yet Wait, you won't know for like another two months? And I'm like, I know. You may I won't never know, for know. Another two months. I am painfully aware <laughs> that I have to wait forever for the first yeah. round. Ugh. Yeah, all the time.
0: Which really leads us into our next category, which is like the misunderstandings around what our work looks like leads us into the group of people who basically tell us music isn't a real job.
1: Yeah. This is the worst. This one is just rude. Yeah. I feel like we can dismiss everything else as just, you know, simply not knowing and not being familiar, which is totally fine. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> the ones that fall into this category, like, are just, I don't know why they're trying to tear us down, but they they are. Like, you don't say the things in this category without at least some malicious intent. I don't know.
0: It's It's really diminutive. It's very dismissive of what we do. And, like, probably one of the more common ones is, what's your day job? Which, Mm -hmm. I mean, once again, a lot of us do have side gigs and things. But ask, are you a full-time musician? There are better ways to phrase this without assuming somebody isn't making a career out of being a musician. It's the assumption that you automatically must have another job. That's what's rude about this. Once again, most of these have a good way to talk about them and a good way to ask about them. (laughs) But what's your day job? We have one person who wrote in, very funnily, who said they got this question and responded, I'm a full-time chorister at the Met. That's my 24-7 job. I would assume most of the people who listen to our podcast probably know this. Being a chorister at the Met is a pretty pretty high-tier job in our industry. It's a
1: it's a very solid, very stable job. Oh my gosh, when when they wrote that in, I was screaming. Oh yeah. I was like, what an ultimate comeback just roasted to
0: ask someone who's a chorister at the met like what's your day job is insane to anyone knows what it's like to be a chorister <sighs> at the met amazing
1: just so iconic that's like a once in a lifetime just like one yeah. fail swoop destroyed i
0: don't i don't really <laughs> mind questions though about like you know what else do you do or like do you do anything outside of music like i don't really mind those questions but there's a good way to ask them and a bad way to ask them unequivocally
1: Yeah, like, when people tell you that music is just a hobby, and you're like, actually, that's false. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's insane. to, like, somebody who is pursuing. Yeah,
0: I feel like that's what people tell their kids a lot.
1: Yeah, it's just, um, I mean, music is a hobby for a lot of people, but for a lot of people, it's not. That's their professional work and what they trained in, so to make such a generalization is just, what even is that?
0: Having music as a hobby is not a bad thing. Telling someone who has degrees in music and is pursuing it actively as a career that it's a hobby is rude. Which is the other one, like, when are you going to get a real career? This one bothers me because the assumption here to, listen, we're really lucky to get to pursue music. We are. It's so fortunate that we can focus on things like that and and get to spend time doing something we love so much. However, there are tons of careers that aren't necessarily changing the world. And music sometimes does change the (laughs) world and sometimes it's just fun. It's all over the place. I, I get, th- I don't sit here and pretend that, like, we as musicians have the same importance as, like, say, scientists or doctors. But most of the people I know who bring this up to me are not scientists or doctors. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. I don't want to hear this from the people. so true, yes. <laughs> that's the thing. Many of us don't, like, change the world in that sense. And that's okay. But to sit there and act like music, especially, doesn't is weird.
1: Yeah. I mean, music is obviously. 100 percent important in different ways yeah so to say that it's not a real career i don't even really understand that question yeah what you qualifies what I mean? as a real
0: career like
1: yeah exactly so like what should we be doing then according to you <laughs> does not make any sense some
0: people base it on this idea of like how much money are you making but i'm more focusing on the people who are like what's the point of pursuing music there's plenty of points to pursuing music it's like pursuing anything it's just funny to me that people do that. Like, like every job is, is absolutely shattering society. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the fun follow-up. But isn't opera dying? The answer is no. Next.
1: <laughs> uh, honestly, yeah. I get this all the time, too, because I come from, like, a different type of musical background. And I think when I've transitioned into kind of focusing more on opera... I got that all the time of like, well, you already sing pop, you already sing like worship and musical theater. So like, why would you want to do something that's like dying instead? And there's just so many different conversations that you could have in that. But also just like at the end of the day, telling somebody that like what they love to do, they shouldn't do because you think it's dying is just not the move.
0: Yeah. Don't do it. I mean... Well, part of the reason we pursue classical music in the way that we do, part of the reason we have this podcast, is because we want to revolutionize our industry and and really keep it alive. But I also don't believe it's dying any more than I believe musical theater is
1: dying. You know, there's just... (sighs) Yeah. It's changing as it changes. Things will die off. And people on the outside don't understand that things are changing. Part of the opera industry
0: will, like, disappear. There's no doubt about that. There are things that we'll get rid of. and, And that's the nature of life. That's the cycle of art. I don't think that opera is dying. And the only art form I really think should die is ventriloquism. But that's a different subject.
1: <laughs> Jesse, do you really want to upset our ventriloquist audience?
0: I'm not. I'm just leaving that one out there.
1: I'm leaving the,
0: all the ventriloquists in our audience are <laughs> furious at me right now. Listen, I stand oh, by that. I'm not. I'm not taking it back.
1: We just lost half our audience, Jesse.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's gonna be someone who brings it up to me later, but it's fine. Oh my what God. are you never mind, we're not getting well. into it. That's we'll open the podcast with a conversation about <laughs> ventriloquism another day. There's there's no money in music, you know. That's just not
1: true. Yeah. That's not true. I mean, is it hard to have like real stability or monetary stability in music? Yeah. Is it impossible? Definitely not. But, like, there's no money in music? That's not true at all.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even if you just do church work, there's a decent amount of money in music. And there's a decent amount of money for people who sing classically. Like, there is a desire for people who do what we do specifically. Yeah, that one's more just... There's a thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is where you know very little about a topic, and therefore your confidence when you speak on it is much, much larger than it should be. It's an interesting thing, and i will sure I'll bring it up on another day. But this is people who have, like, a cursory understanding of the music industry, and therefore just assume they know. <sighs> and then...
1: Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So, no, it's just kind of an interesting thing, because I think, like, sometimes people think that, you know, if you don't... You're not going to become a millionaire off of music, and it's like, okay, yeah, that might be true, but it, like... I think the vast majority of us in music are not doing it to make crazy money. We do it for reasons that are perhaps a little bit more honorable. (laughs) We do it for the reason of passion. I just don't really understand. I mean, we
0: like what we do. And of course we like to make money, which is why we all look for different ways to make our jobs more sustainable. And like, you know, everyone wants to make a living wage. There's no doubt about that. But if I wanted to be crazy rich, I wouldn't have gone into music. And I wouldn't have gone into classical music. It's not really what it's about. And so the presumption there is that, like, money will make your life work. And that's true to a certain degree, but after a certain amount of wealth, you don't see an increase in happiness, you know? And honestly, I can't tell you—this is kind of sad. I don't mean to bring down the feel of the podcast. When I used to work as a bartender, and this is just interesting, I, a lot of my conversations about music have happened while bartending because that's, it's just a good topic. But I met a lot of people who at one point wanted to pursue music and then went on to more responsible career paths. And there was always a real sadness in them, you know? Mm -hmm. Even if you never make it, there's something to be said for chasing the things you want. And there's nothing wrong with eventually choosing stability over music. I, I don't, you know, I don't begrudge anyone that decision. But there's something about saying you lived your life pursuing the things you were passionate about.
1: Absolutely. And
0: speaking of those other decisions... There is, of course, the question, what is your backup plan? This one infuriates me because, of course, I have a backup plan. I have seven backup plans for various situations. <laughs> I, I, of course, have considered at what point do I, do I move on? At what point do I pursue other things? You know, do I want to go the typical path of classical music or do I want to, you know, pave my own way? There's a hundred things I've considered and my mind has changed about over time. But I'm not just out here willy-nilly winging it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this also has the assumption that you're going to fail.
0: (laughs) I mean, listen, I'm not saying everyone who has done music always has a backup plan, but like, you know, Michelle and I here, between the two of us, have four degrees. We've thought about it. Trust me. Trust me when I say we've thought about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think all musicians can kind of relate to this. Like, I mean, obviously, number one, if you're currently pursuing music, is to continue to make it work and pursue music, but... I think most of us, and if you haven't, that's like no fault against you, do have some sort of other thing that we're passionate about. And if we were to go into that instead, if we had to make that decision, wouldn't be unhappy. You know what I mean? But the the assumption of what's your backup plan already assumes that you're going to fail and that I don't know that whatever else you have planned, like you wouldn't be happy doing because you failed at your first goal. I don't know. Everything about that just rubs me in the absolute worst yeah.
0: way. No, it's just, it's one of those things too. yeah, it's presumptive of failure, which you, once again, don't really get in other industries. Like, even though there are things that are hard to accomplish, you don't usually ask people who are pursuing other hard careers, what's your backup plan?
1: Ooh, you know what? The next time somebody asks me, because I definitely get this question, not, I feel like ever since I got my master's, I don't get this question as much, because I think, like, The majority of people understand that when you at least have like a master's degree that you're probably pretty committed and like maybe kinda Mm -hmm. good. (laughs) Um but I the next time somebody asks me this, I'm gonna say, Oh, that's an interesting question. Why do you think I'm gonna fail? And I I'm just gonna leave it at that and see what they say in response because I can already tell you that actually they're gonna poop themselves and I cannot wait to see it.
0: Um the (laughs) she <laughs> actually—that brings up another funny one that kind of falls into this, which is, uh, "Are you any good?" I can't tell you the number of oh, people I who have thrown that out at me, it. and I—I I have more than once said back, "No, I'm actually awful." It's shocking they let me into grad school just because it's funny. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Am I any good? And it's also uncomfortable because, of course, I don't really like bragging about myself. I don't like being like, "Yeah, I'm a great singer." It's not comfortable, especially because my, some days, you know what, my self-worth is in the trash and I don't want to talk about it. Are you any good? Nope. Awful. Can't believe they even let me get a degree. Shocking. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Are you a good (laughs) electrician, Denny? Yeah. Denny. Denny's. I did not come (laughs) up with a good fake name there.
1: (laughs) Ignore me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is that's an interesting. I'm gonna uh, start
0: asking everyone about that when they start set, telling me what they do. Yeah, I'm a doctor. Oh, are you any good at it? Uh, yeah, you think you're a good
1: doctor? <laughs> oh no, yeah, that's rough. Oof, it's weirdly common. Yeah, that's just such a weird question because you're right. People, nobody else gets asked that like literally ever. So I always get so awkward because you're right. Musicians, we like most of the time don't. like ever want to brag about ourselves so i feel like usually i'm just like yeah you know like i've studied it for a while now so uh, i would say i'm i'm pretty decent
0: (laughs) but i i do like to mess with people so i do just say like no i'm actually horrible at it it's hilarious Uh, i'm the florence foster jenkins of my era honestly i would live if i was i would live for that (laughs) she sold out carnegie hall say what you will she she was a very much at least a convincing performer regardless of how she sounded. I aspire. <laughs> anyway. But the next category is bad career advice, which is once again something that falls under that Dunning-Kruger effect, which is the assumption that because I know how to make it in some business, I know how to make it in your business.
1: Yeah, I think every single musician that's ever lived the <laughs> last... Since what? When this first came out? Like ever 2000, more. right? Um, is, have you thought about trying out for American Idol... The Voice, America's Got Talent, insert competition show here.
0: Nobody wants to hear classical music on any of those shows. I promise you. I swear. And you know what? Here's my other thing. First of all, I- I'm going to speak specifically. First, uh, first and foremost, American Idol and The Voice are mostly built around pop music. Could a classical singer make it in those? Almost certainly they would make it pretty far, but probably not make it to the end because it's just not what those competition shows are built for. They're almost all for some form of popular music, um, whether that actually be pop or uh, R&B or country or whatever. But they're not really built for classical singers, nor do I know many classical singers who want to be putting out albums and things that those are geared towards. Ignoring the fact that also the contracts within those are pretty bad. They're horrible. We're not, we won't really. But then you get into things. I don't think there should be, (laughs) here's a fun controversial opinion. When it comes to stuff like America's Got Talent, I don't think singers should be on that show. I don't think that's what that show is for. Only because there are already so many singing competitions. Now, I don't think it's wrong that people go on there because press is press. You know, getting attention to your band or whatever is always good. But, like, in terms of, like, what those competitions are built for, I never look for singers on those shows. You know, I want to see the people who are doing, like, crazy acrobatic acts or things like that. I don't necessarily want to even see singers on
1: them. And it's funny though because on America's Got Talent, singers almost always win. Like
0: Yeah, it is weird to me cuz like there was that one girl who could like fire a bow and arrow with her feet, which to me is much more appropriate for like a Vegas show than like another singer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like if you're going to Vegas to see a singer, like, you're going to Vegas to go see, like, Celine Dion. It's
0: Britney Spears. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah, or Britney Britney or whoever. (laughs) Well, that's two very different ideas, but okay.
0: (laughs) That's fine. I was just thinking about Britney because I know she has her thing up there. But my my, my only point about all of that is to say that, like, there are already singers that are very well known that have, like, two-year, three-year, four-year contracts in Vegas. So I don't know that's what you'd even want to be doing. I would be much more likely to see, you know, the dance group that have those weird light-up suits or a person firing a bow and arrow with their feet. That one really sticks with me. Um, <laughs> no, it's just, like, there are crazy acts that, that are done there. And that's, to me, more what that's about. But my other thing is, every time I see a classical singer on one of these shows, and I haven't watched these since I was probably in, like, middle school, to be honest. Uh, now when I see them, it's because someone is sending them to me. Which brings me to my next point. Please stop sending me children singing classical music on these talent competitions. I don't like it. I like classical music. I think kids are fine. I don't want to watch kids sing classical music. I don't. I don't.
1: Yeah, if I ever see, like, another six-year-old girl singing Nesum Dorma, I actually think that I will explode. (laughs) I think I will pass away. That one
0: actually (laughs) wrecks me. It's always Nesum Dorma or uh, O Mio Babino. It always, always, without fail. Or it's either this. It's either
1: a kid or it's a man singing a soprano aria yeah the man the men singing a soprano aria bugs me less because countertenors but although oh, you can yeah. definitely tell when it's just like a regular dude singing classical arias and not like an, an actual counter tenor, countertenor if that makes sense like a trained one like it's just some dude who's like yeah. i have falsetto so i'm going to sing like <laughs> o mio babbino <laughs> so yeah yeah it's just but, but kids singing it just, I love kids.
0: It's like when I sing kids sing Adele, honestly. Aww. It's like, yeah, it's cute that they can sing it, but there's no, like, content behind what they're singing. They just have a niceish voice. And, and uh, as with Adele, if you're little and singing that, it can wreck your vocal cords just like it wrecked hers. Easily. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the thing that scares me when I see a little kid singing like that is just... It's so easy to mess up your vocal cords. It's easy for adults to mess up their vocal cords singing they sing Dorma.
1: Yeah, it's just also awkward because, like, I feel like those kids are very, and obviously this is not, this is kind of a blanket blanket statement, and I don't want it to be because obviously there are kids who, like, are driving these decisions, but I feel like for a lot of them, it's just their parents being proud of them or, like, wanting the attention or, like, thinking that this is going to, like, launch them into a career or just, like, their parents want to show them off. I don't really know. Or their parents want the money. We're eventually and it's just going super to uncomfort. do a full
0: discussion on
1: this. Yeah. I have a lot to say about this. We're going to
0: eventually do a more full discussion of, like, kids in opera and kids in these talent competitions because it's an interesting topic. And once again, let me say this. We're not dunking on the kids here. It's adorable, and it's sweet, and we're glad they like classical music. It's more about the poor decision-making of the adults around them that is concerning. Amen. But that all that is to say is these talent competitions aren't necessarily good for classical singers, and as sweet as it is that you think we do really well on them, ha it's weird. Uh, and it's it makes us uncomfortable because we have to tell you no. Um, and that brings me to one of my favorite things that came from asking people for their stories, which was somebody who wrote... That she gets, oh my god, so you sound just like Susan Boyle or Jackie Ivanko, right? Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. But my favorite thing is she says, she said that she responds to him and she says, I told them on a good day I sound like a mix between the two. (laughs) 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 Which is just a killer response. So kudos to you for like taking it in stride and just running with it. Because I don't think I would keep myself from going on a
1: Jackie Ivanko rant if that happened. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. That's like... That's rough. That blows my mind. I mean, at least, like, Susan Boyle does have, like, a nice voice. Yeah, Jackie Ivanko's very interesting. We'll have to... We should spend a... We should do an episode about... We should include her in our Child Stars episode because, um...
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't even know that I've heard much from Jackie Ivanko since she was on that show, but I also don't look for it because I I don't care. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk, like I said, we'll do a full episode where we kind of break down these kinds of things. But the long story short, these talent competitions aren't really made for us. and It's not, I mean, it's barely a viable career path, even if I was singing pop music. Like I said, the contracts that come out of these things are not necessarily career starters anymore. No, they're That's heinous. why you haven't really seen many people, you know, you see people from like the early part of American Idol who are still doing what they do, but not many from like the late latter half. I
1: don't know. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, most of them fall off the face of the earth because they get sucked into these contracts that own them and then they have to make albums and they have to do all of these things that don't necessarily fall in line with them as an actual artist. And it's just a whole mess. And honestly, usually when people tell me they want me to do one of those shows, that's what I tell them. Because most of the time people don't know the mess of contracts that you're about to enter if you do those shows. And usually when you tell them, they're like, oh, okay, never mind. You know, so educate your folks. Yeah. Because they just don't know. (sighs) But yeah, so we got another story that really just like rattled me. So (laughs) this person said, I was visiting a friend one time for Christmas. There was a guy there who was a pianist. So naturally, I tried to strike up some conversation about how I was studying music. As soon as I brought up that I was a singer, he said something like, oh, well, do you play any real instruments? And then when I said I wanted to teach, he gave me a nod and was like, good, because that's the only work you can get as a singer. Mm, That's so rude. So rude.
0: This one sucks because this is like, this is the example of the call is coming from inside the house because you're getting hit by another musician.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I think that like, I don't know, I feel like most times when you're a singer interacting with an instrumentalist, like most of the time, like the relationship is very friendly. There is definitely that, I don't know, disconnect or weird emotions between singers and instrumentalists sometimes that like, I don't know, there, there can be bad vibes sometimes. And so this like literally gives me goosebumps to think about.
0: What makes me sad about that, though, is I have so much respect for my instrumentalist friend. I know. Like, I've never approached an instrumentalist and been like, nobody wants to listen to your instrument. Mostly because I I love hearing individual instruments. And even the ones that don't necessarily have a lot of solo repertoire written for them. Like, I think it's so cool. And so when people just dunk on singers, it just makes me very sad.
1: Yeah, and I'm not, like, entirely sure what good comes out of it. Because music, whether you're an instrumentalist or a singer, is a hard career field. So I feel like, I don't know, bashing other musicians is just, like, not the move.
0: I I guess the other thing is, like, any real instrument.
1: I know. What does that even mean? so sad. I was, like, I got secondhand offended by this.
0: I think, obviously, the voice is the most accessible instrument for most people. Let's be flat out. It doesn't cost money to have vocal cords most of the time. (laughs) Right. Whereas having a piano or even a keyboard, it comes with an expense. So a lot of people sing. But I would still say this. A lot of people play piano. Not a lot of people play piano super well. I know a lot of people who can play piano. But not a lot of people who can play piano at the level you would need to to make a career out of it. And that's how I feel about singing. I know a lot of people who can sing well. I don't know a lot of people who can sing well enough to make a job out of it. Yeah. So just because a lot of people can do it doesn't mean that a lot of people can make it that way. So please don't disrespect my career path. It makes me sad.
1: Well, I think the other thing... That's so shady is like, in what world is that an appropriate comment to make in response to somebody telling you that they're studying music? Why would you not encourage that as a musician? Like you have like a younger student come. I don't know how old this pianist is, but like, why would you tell that to somebody who's in the thick of studying it? Like what? They're just going to they took your advice and now they're going to drop their degree. Like what? What good? What logic is there behind saying that? It's just...
0: There are people who confuse wisdom with cynicism. And that's kind of what this looks like to me. Because there's nothing wrong with saying, man, it's really hard to make it as a musician. But I hope you do. Like, there's nothing wrong with being honest. Like, man, it's really difficult to make a living as a musician. So, you know. Or even give, giving career advice. Like, hey, you know what? It's good to take, even if you wanted to encourage, encourage him to also teach. Like, there's a positive way to go about talking about those things. With him just dunking on people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, also saying that teaching is the only work you can get as a singer. Like, bro, what world do you live in? <laughs> I don't und- I guess it doesn't make work. any sense. It's just so rude. I can't even believe that that yeah. came out of another musician's mouth. That's just sad. It it's super sad. sad.
0: I-, I have a another story from the bar. I was not even bartending for a long time. I just have a lot of stories written down from my time bartending because you meet... I worked in an airport, so I met a lot of really interesting people. But this one, this guy, I cannot describe the many feelings I had while while I was serving. I I was chatting with this person, and they were a traveling nurse, and they were carrying around their helmet. There, uh, Sorry, I should clarify it. There was a traveling nurse on, heading on a trip, and it was a motorcycle trip, and they were carrying their Harley Davidson helmet everywhere. And I guess I should have known that a person who would plop their giant helmet down on the bar might cause me some problems. Because there's something about that that says, like, I want to talk about what a cool person I am. I have nothing against motorcycles, but let me say, the the motorcycle, (laughs) motorcycles attract an interesting group of people
1: sometimes. That's
0: fair. I start chatting, and at this time, I'm working with a coworker who honestly was my hype man. She would go to every single member of the bar and point me out and say, you know, my name is this, and this is Jessie. Jessie's a singer. She's incredible. She's amazing. You should have her sing for you. She's amazing. She's beautiful. And, like, honestly hyped me up to every person at that bar. I adore her.
1: I love that. Uh,
0: I love her so much. I told her that if I if I ever start to make it, I would hire her just to go and hype me up to crowds. Oh. But anyway, so she does that. She tells him that, and he turns to me. And doesn't even ask about what I do or like how I'm, how I'm making my way in the music industry, you know. Uh, and just starts in on this insane rant. Starts telling me, well, you, you know, if you really want to make it, what you should do is you should gather people who are better at music than you and you should be their agent. And then, so he basically tries to tell me to become a talent agent, but he also says it as if it's not a job that already exists that people don't already do. Which just tells me he knows nothing about our industry because he's like, well, you should really you know be in charge of all these other people and like really find the people who are actually good at what you do uh, so just a straight up insulting me to my face uh, and then goes, you know because really if you if you want to make it, you've got to be like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, you know you can start it out of your garage and you have to really be a self starter and I'm sitting there and by the way, at this point, Michelle and I have already started planning this podcast so. Not only do we already have a thing that we're starting up on our own to kind of make our way in the world, but also he's not pausing at all for me to actually contribute to this conversation. It is instead a lecture being aimed at me as I try to, you know, do my job. So he just keeps ranting and doesn't even pause long enough for me to tell him that, first of all, Bill Gates, prior to dropping out, uh, went to Harvard. He did not yeah. start out of his garage. He met people at Harvard and started his business. I'm not going to get into the misapprehension about how geniuses work out of their garage or why that's a <laughs> false narrative. It is, but I'm not going to get into it today. But, like, the most insane self-starter rant that just goes on and on and on and can't even get an word in edgewise. Then he starts telling me, you know, my daughter wants to get into this whole theater and music kind of thing, but I keep telling her that she's too fat to do it. <gasps> i sat back and i was like man i know why you're ranting at me because i can tell i can tell that no one in your life listens to you anymore
1: oh my god that's horrible
0: so let's break down what just happened between me and this man while i was once again trying to do my job and being like huh he told me if i really want to make it i should be a self-starter which is not a terrible thing to say uh, but then tells me that instead of pursuing music, I should be a talent agent, which is a different job with a different skill set and also already exists.
1: <laughs> no, Jesse, he created it on the spot, don't you know? And are
0: already things that work. He did. He invented it. <laughs> All of which I'm being told by a traveling nurse, which is not a make your own way kind of career path, but instead like a you get hired out by different people. So I don't know why he was telling me, because it's not like he runs the agency that hires traveling nurses for different hospitals. He he literally is a contract worker. He does the same work as me, but as a nurse. He's contracted and he goes out to these different places. Second of all, none of his family is traveling with him, and I can tell why.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, I was like, God,
0: God bless, because when your daughter goes away to college, she will never speak to you again. And honestly, Fair. You go get them, girl. You go get that degree, and you run.
1: Oh uh, yeah, honestly, one of my favorite things is uh, our issues in opera s- new series that we started, and I can't wait to do one in about fat phobia in uh in fat phobia arts.
0: and body shaming.
1: Absolutely, and it's gonna
0: we're gonna talk about all types of body shaming that happen across the board. But but geez, Louise, to sit there and be like, oh gosh, it was, uh, and I did try and correct him when I could, you know, sneak in a word between his long-winded rants when he eventually had to gulp some air back down to spew more nonsense. (laughs) Where I told him that, like, music was changing and that with the advent of the internet, a lot of people can make it in their own way and, like, you know, trying to even get a couple words in or to tell him that he was just completely wrong about how certain things come about. But, you know, you can't can't talk to old white men. They don't listen.
1: Yeah. (laughs) that's pretty uh, oh
0: man it was just fair. wild that one and like that i realize i rambled a little bit there but that's because there was so much coming at me that day when he was talking i was just like whoa it was wrong after wrong after wrong and just this presumption about like i said i never even got to talk about the podcast i never even got to talk about the fact that i was doing my own thing on top of it on top of having another job Um, uh, was so so disastrous
1: oh we love it Man,
0: but girl, I I doubt his daughter will ever hear this podcast, but if you do, get out, run, run away, find a new family. (laughs)
1: Uh, Daughter, if you somehow hear this, like, join us on our podcast, honestly. Join
0: us, please come and talk to us. You are a welcome guest any day of the week. But also, yeah, that was some of the worst career advice I've ever gotten compounded with just like one of those people sometimes people who talk without listening just expect that no one in their actual day-to-day life actually talks (laughs)
1: Uh, well I have one final story to end with which is just really positive and it makes me smile every time I think about it and this is from my own family who I'm the only musician in my family and so the things that they say to me sometimes are just really cute and funny and the icing on the cake is after an audition this summer for a summer program. I can't remember, Jesse. you were with me when they asked this, weren't you? Oh, yeah. We had just gotten back from San Diego. Yeah, we had just gotten back. And my little sister goes, like, we come. I come back from my audition and my little sister goes, did you win? Did you win it? And it was you the purest... That Thing i've ever heard in my life and we immediately started laughing because that's just like the funniest question ever and my stepmom chimed in and like i think realized why we were laughing because it's kind of a silly thing to say but then also was like well yeah did you win it <laughs> and then your dad did it too like 10 minutes know, later your dad like, popped you in was like did you win it
0: and i that's just the sweetest thing on the planet
1: it's the best. And honestly, like, now Jesse and I say that to each other all the time. Did you win it? Because that... that I don't know what it is about that. I mean, first of all, it's just super cute. But I feel like it has the right attitude. Because rather than being like, you know... It's, it's the opposite of what's your backup plan. It's like, did you win it? Assuming that you won it, if that makes sense. Which you obviously yeah. don't win in audition. But it's just the cutest way of thinking about it. And it's just... I want to be told that all the time.
0: <laughs> I, I would say my version of this. I have two. One of my brothers doesn't really like opera. And it, that's fine. I don't mind that. But he once told me after I did a show, he was like, I'm so sorry I can't come up and see you do the show. But please send me all the photos because I want to show my friends what you do. Aww. And from a brother who's not really in the classical music world in any way and kind of does his own thing, that was just really sweet. And then for my other brother... Both of my brothers are in computer science. Um, that's kind of their thing. And one of them is more of an entertainer than anything else. So I guess we're similar in that aspect. And the other one is more into web and game design. And Fun. the other the other brother um, told me, I have that video of you singing and I show it off at the office all the time and people think you're incredible. And that, like, Aww. just wrecks me. Because, like, once again, his... He doesn't have to show his coworkers that. He doesn't have to show anybody that. And so the fact that they go out of their way to show off what I do and to be proud of me, especially, you know, anyway, that those are the really, really sweet, lovely things that just make me want to cry.
1: <laughs> oh, We love our non-musicians. They also say an infinite amount of beautiful things to us. And a lot of the things that we mentioned today aren't even they don't even necessarily come from a bad place. They just come from a place of I don't know about what you do. So to me, this is a question that I that is reasonable to ask not knowing, you know, what's behind their question. And so, but Michelle, uh, <laughs> did do you, you sing? Do you did you do you sing the carbonara? Oh, that is glorious. <laughs> I need that on the back I, of a I sweatshirt. I can't
0: believe I forgot that. I can't believe I forgot about that one. Do you uh. sing the
1: carbonara? Oh, my gosh. Well, I hope you guys had a good time listening to all these stories. Thanks for everybody who wrote in. We'll definitely do more of these types of episodes because, you know, you guys really enjoy them and we really enjoy them. So. Thanks for joining us. If you don't already follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you can find us at Opera Offstage. Um, That's where you're going to find our watch party and the opportunity to write into these episodes. And then check out our website at opera-offstage.com.
0: And if you enjoyed this episode, please write us a review. It's super helpful to us. It helps other people find our podcast and we really appreciate it. So we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!